Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Thanks, I felt like I was in Africa. When I speak there, somebody carries my Bible out for me. It was kind of fun. So... So that's a new position we're going to have here at the church, is just somebody to carry the Bible <laughs> out. <laughs> we're not going to do that. That'd be awful. Um, hey, I did want to emphasize um, our More Holy Spirit worship night coming up on Friday night. It is going to be lit. Right, Krista? Yeah. It's going to be lit. <laughs> That means on fire for those of you that are my age, you know. Um, hey, it's going to be a really good time. So I would encourage you guys, make a priority to come out on Friday night and uh, spend your Friday night with us. It's going to be really good. So um, to introduce today's message, I want to tell you a little bit about me, about where I grew up, what kind of church I went to. So I grew up in a Mennonite church up in Michigan, went to Locust Grove Mennonite Church. And uh, we were really competitive. I don't know if you know that about Mennonites, but Mennonites tend to be really competitive. Not sure why. Maybe it comes from the Amish background where we didn't have TV, you know, and so we just like did a whole bunch of games against each other, whatever. But in my church, which had maybe about 100 more people than what we have here, we had five adult softball teams. Think about that. Five different adult softball teams. So <laughs> I know Chris is like, what? Really? Um, and we, you can't even do one here, right? But, you know, we had five different ones because everybody loved the competition. And so when we would play each other, the, we had one mission, and that was to win at all costs. All right, that's what it meant. That's what we did. And so you would think when two of the softball teams from Locust Grove would play each other, that it would be more of a family-friendly competition. It wasn't. It was like win at all costs. I mean, there was one story... Um, where a guy was running from first to second base. The ball was hit to the first baseman. The first baseman took the ball and threw it to second base, hit our guy in the back of the head, all right? Knocked him out cold. I mean, he just fell down on the field. And so, stopped the game. His wife runs from the stands, runs out onto the field. And the first baseman said, hey, get off the field. We're trying to play a game here, you know? Had no mercy at all. And the thing was, that was like his first cousin. I mean, this is, we're all related, but there was no compassion, no mercy. It was all about win at all costs. So they just wanted to drag him off the field so we could keep playing. Well, that carried over to our youth group. It's called MYF, Mennonite Youth Fellowship. And we would play all kinds of games against each other. But during the summer, the one that we loved to play was volleyball. So volleyball was just so much fun. All summer long, whenever we got together, we would play volleyball. And again, the mission was to win at all costs. And so when we played, we played jungle rules, which meant that you could hit the net, you could hit the other person, you could kick them under the net. I mean, it was just whatever, anything goes because it's win at all costs. And so it was not for the week, you know, the weeks sat on the side and, and watched because it was dangerous, you know, in the pit. So when I graduated from high school, I was going to college, I joined a uh, co-ed adult softball league in Sturgis, Michigan. 
And so I go out to play this game. And of course, I think the mission is to win at all costs, right? And so um, the ball is getting hit back and forth one of the first games. And then it's popped up towards me. And I'm playing the front row. And a long time ago, I could actually jump. Not anymore, but I used to be able to jump. And so I see this ball coming. And, and really, I'm starting to drool because I see this ball. I'm like, oh, this is like the perfect set. I jumped up above the net, hit the ball down as hard as I could. And there was a guy on the other side who wasn't very athletic. He had glasses on, and it hit him right in the face. And it broke his glasses. It actually cut his eye. He's on the ground. His glasses are spread all over. He's got blood coming down his face. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, you know? Because I thought this was win at all costs. And you know what the mission was? I found out later was play to have fun. <laughs> I didn't know how to do that. It was a long season for me. It was a long season for me. But I, I, I share that because I think that in life, it's really important to know what the mission is, right? To know where we're going. What's the plan? Why are we doing all of this? In fact, there's a scripture that speaks to that. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And I had learned this a long time ago in the King James, where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where we have no direction, where we have no mission, no purpose, it causes problems. I mean, the King James says that people are going to die. If, if you're not all on the same page, if you're not all headed in the same direction, there's going to be problems along the way. So our plan for the next three weeks is to go back and, and just take a look at our church's mission statement. Now, we did this about a year ago, but many of you are new to the church since July of last year. And so we decided it's really important for us to take, you know, a few, day, a few weeks and actually walk through our mission statement. So here's our church's mission statement. It's called, it says, Lighthouse Vineyard Church exists to train and encourage people to love God, love people, and shine Jesus within the city of Elkhart and the surrounding county. Simply put, our, our hope is that everyone who calls Lighthouse Vineyard Church their church home, that they would love God, love people, and shine Jesus. Just kind of three parts. And then, so we're going to spend the next three weeks kind of going through that. Our sermon series is titled Living on Mission. Living on Mission. And today, we're going to focus on the first part, which is to love God. What's it mean to love God? Now, most of the time, when we talk about love and God in the same sentence, we're talking about how much God loves us, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the you know, most popular verse out there. It talks about how much God loves us. There's another scripture in 1 John 4, 16 that says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. He himself is love. God personifies love. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So it says, the only reason we have love, even the capacity to love, is because of his love for us. 
Then he goes on. Jesus actually declares and defines what the greatest of loves are. And it says, greater love has no one than this in John 15, 13, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater love than to give your life for somebody else. And then Jesus turns around and does that. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God is love. We only love because he loved us first. No greater love than to die for somebody else. And Jesus says, that's the greatest of loves. And then he does it. He lays down his life for each one of us so that we can have eternal life. So God's love for us is not in question today. We're not going to question that. It's all over scripture. It's been proven over and over again. But the question for today is, how do we love God? How do we love God? That's a little more difficult question to answer. How do we return the love and affection that God has for us? Well, my hope is that we're going to be answering that question today by looking at a section of scripture in Mark chapter 12. And you can turn there if you would like. And again, um, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you have a smartphone, you can go there. We'll also have the scripture up on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible and need a Bible, just stop by the Welcome Center after service. They will give you a Bible. All right. My hope is that everybody has access to God's Word. All right, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 28. But setting this up, in this section of Scripture, Jesus is having kind of an, an argument, a philosophical argument with the teachers of the law. And then one of the teachers of the law comes up to him, and again, a, a kind of a modern-day definition of a teacher of a law would be a professor, a college professor in biblical theology. You think about somebody who really knew the Bible. All right, this is a teacher of the law. In the Old Testament, there were 613 laws. And this teacher of the law knew them all. He had them all memorized. He knew the chapter, the verse. He understood them all. And he comes up to this argument, and he sees Jesus kind of winning the argument. And Jesus is just incredibly wise and has the right answer for everything. And so I believe that this teacher of the law says, you know, I... I have this question that I need an answer to. And his question is, what's the most important commandment? Out of the 613 that we teach, what's the most important? So that's where we're going to pick up verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we're going to stop there. Um, we'll go over the rest of that section next week. So he says the most important commandment is to love God. It's to love God. So today we're going to look at, from that scripture, a couple of keys on how we can do that well. Our message is simply titled, Living on Mission, Showing God Love. And if you would, pray with me as I pray for our message. So God, we come to you and we, we thank you so much for your love for us. Unconditional, perfect, 
um, dependable love, self-sacrificing. God, you have, you have shown us what it means to love perfectly. And Lord, we want, we want to learn how to love you back. Jesus, you said that the most important commandment is to love God. So, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds today to receive what you have for us so that we can do this better. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. A couple of points. We can all show God love by, number one, getting emotionally involved. Getting emotionally involved. So God's, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I originally wanted to go through all four of those. How do we love God with our heart? How do we love God with our soul, with our mind, and our strength? And in fact, I did that a year ago. So if you want to go back and listen to our messages from July of last year, you can catch that. But this year, as I was preparing this message, I felt like God wanted us to just stop on heart. Just stop on heart. How do we love God with all our hearts? And knowing that our heart is the center of all emotion, I felt like God just, he wants us to get emotionally involved in this relationship. Emotionally involved. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is hard for me. I grew up Mennonite. And in the, in the Mennonite faith and, and tradition and Mennonite Amish, we don't talk much about emotions. You know, people only say, well, you hurt me if they like broke their arm, you know, not if they hurt their heart. You know, we didn't, we didn't talk about that. But God wants us to be, he wants us to be more than that, not just servants, you know, that just go around and say, yes, God, I'll do whatever you say. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our heart. Jesus said in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with us. You know, he, he wants us to love him and to care about him and to be emotionally involved in all of that. When I was first dating Rose, we would, uh, we'd spend hours on the phone talking till well past midnight. Yeah, I really stayed up past midnight. There was a time when that happened. And uh, we would write love letters to each other. You know, and you had all the emotions that came around that relationship, you know. But then we've been married for over 14 years now. And over time, those emotions around a relationship can begin to fade. And so, you know, the question is, how do you keep that emotional flame burning? How do you keep it in a relationship? Well, there's a book out called Love Life for Every Married Couple, How to Fall in Love, Stay in Love, Rekindle Your Love by Dr. Ed Wheat and Gloria Oaks Perkins. And they do a great job in that book talking about how to keep the emotional side of your relationship going. And there are two quotes that I'm going to pull out of that book that I think were helpful. The first one is this, the truth is that love is an active power that you are meant to control by your own will. Think about that an active power that you are meant to control. So you don't just fall into love because then that means you could fall out of love, right? I mean, there is something that we can do to keep the, um, 
the, the emotions going in a relationship. The second point is this. The giving of love also produces the romantic emotions of love in full measure. So what they're saying is that if you want to feel in love with your spouse, then you need to act like you're in love with your spouse. Now, wait a second. That's backwards. Aren't we supposed to feel in love so we act in love? No, no, no. He's saying, if you want to feel the emotion, act like it, and the emotions will follow. And honestly, guys, this is true. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. I've watched this in our relationship as well. If you want to feel the emotional side of love, then act like you're in love. Do the things that would show that you are in love. Now, for husbands and wives, this may be the only thing you get out of this message, and that's okay. You know, go act like you're in love, all right? And you'll feel it. The emotions follow. But this isn't a new topic. This isn't a new concept. Um, if we look at the book of Revelation, which is at the end of the book, uh, end of the Bible, John speaks to the church in Ephesus. And he's talking to seven different churches in that region. And he tells them usually something good, and then he tells them something not so good. So let's look at this. This is Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my, for my name and have not grown weary. So to me, this sounds like a very committed church. I mean, they're, they're in the game. You know, they're, they're committed. They're doing some of the things. And that sounds pretty good. But then he goes on to say in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. See, this speaks to the fact that as followers of Christ, we can be following God and we can lose our love for God. We can lose it. We can lose that emotional connection that we have for God. Then he gives us a key to this. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Do those things, whether you feel like it or not, do those things and your heart will follow. Your heart will follow. So I want us to take a moment and just think about when we first started following Christ. Now, there may be some of you today that are not followers of Christ yet. So just bear with us as we, as we talk through this, because this is what happens in our walk with Christ. I don't know about you, but when I first started following Christ, it was all new. I was excited. Emotionally, I was up here. You know, they, they call it in the church world, on fire for Christ, you know, and everybody knew I was on fire for Christ at that time. But over time, you see, the emotional side can fade. You know, and, and then because the emotional side starts to fade, we stop doing some of the things we did at first. So I want you to think about when you first became a follower of Christ. What did you do? What were some of those things that you did? Where were some of those places that you went? Who did you hang out with? As I was thinking about this this week, putting the message together, I remembered that when I was you know, on fire for Christ, many times you would find me just worshiping God by myself. Just worshiping God. 
whether I was playing guitar and singing or I was just listening to a worship album. But I would spend times just worshiping God by myself. And I don't do that as much anymore. And so I was convicted by this and said, man, I need to do that. And so I, I took some time this week and just sat down here on the stage uh, by myself and got out my guitar and just spent some time just worshiping God. Worshiping God. Now, I will tell you, not because I felt it, I didn't feel like worshiping, but it was something that I did at first. And as I worshiped, as I spent time with God doing those things, guess what happened? The emotions followed. And then I wanted to worship God. There are so many times, guys, we do what we want to do, right? That's, that's America. We do what we want to do. But our emotions will lie to us. They will lie to us. And you'd be like, ah, I don't really want to go to the prayer room. Ah, I don't really want to go to worship night on Friday night. In fact, man, it's Sunday morning. I, I just want to stay in bed. But this scripture is pretty convicting. Just do the things you did at first. Do the things you know that you're supposed to do, that you used to do, and your emotions will follow. I can't tell you the number of times that I didn't want to go to a, a spiritual event. Almost all the time, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Being honest, I just, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And that's how I feel on the way in. And you know when I leave how I feel? Because you guys probably felt this way. I'm so glad I went. Man, I'm so glad I went. We had 14, 15 ladies that just went to a conference on Friday night and all day Saturday. And I've talked to a few of them, and I knew some of their stories were like, man, I just don't know if I can take the time. It's going to be hard to go. But I've talked to a few since then, and they're like, man, I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I went. So I want you to think about some of those things that you used to do. Something that maybe God is reminding you of right now. And if you would, take a minute and just write that on your program. What you used to do when you first started following Christ or when you were on fire for Christ. Just write that down. Kind of as a commitment, like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this again, whether I feel like it or not. And I will, I will guarantee your emotions will follow. You write this down. Our emotional love for God will follow our intentional efforts to give God love. It will. For some of you, you might be in that place right now where you're a new follower of Christ and you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. And I would just tell you, that's just part of the Christian walk. You'll, there'll come a time, because that's what happens. We have these you know, mountaintops and valley experiences. And just remember this message during that time to say, oh, if I feel like I'm starting to fade away, my emotions are fading away, I need to just do those things that I used to do, that I, maybe that you're doing right now, okay? So that's point number one. We can all show God love by getting emotionally involved. Emotionally involved. Here's point number two. We can all show God love by going all in. Going all in. Love the Lord, this is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment is to love God with everything that we have. The first and greatest commandment. All in. To be all in. Here's the definition of that. Fully committed to or involved in something. In poker, where this word comes from, it's this concept of, I have a great hand and I am going to win this hand. I'm betting on this hand. So I take everything I have and I put it in the center of the table. And I'm banking on this. I'm betting on it that if this hand doesn't win, I am broke. But I'm putting my life on this. I'm putting my life savings on this. That's what it means. That's what it means. So our love for God needs to be all in. We need to stake our reputation on him. We need to stake our future on him. We need to be completely all in in our relationship with God. Now, in our culture today, there are many, many enemies to this, many distractions, but what I was reminded of this week is this, this concept of FOMO, fear of missing out, all right? Fear of missing out. Because I think this is something that's kind of newer in our culture, but it's very, very prevalent to us. So let me give you an example. So when um, Rose and I first started doing young adult ministry about seven years ago, we heard about this young adult conference down in uh, Kansas City where like tens of thousands of young adults show up and they spend time in worship and teaching. And it's just a three or four day event over New Year's Eve. And it's a wonderful, wonderful event. And so we wanted to take our young adults with us and go to this. And so we talked to them and they were like, oh yeah, that sounds great. So we created the registration form for it. And uh, we started calling on hotels and we needed to, to um, pay for the hotels early because all the hotels in the area were selling out. And so we said, hey, we need you guys to register early. You know, we need you to get signed up and, and, and pay your deposit so that we know that you're going and all of that. And you know what happened? None of them signed up. They wouldn't register for it. Like, guys, this, I mean, this is like maybe June, July, August. The event's happening in, you know, December, January. And I'm like, we need you to sign up. Otherwise, there's not going to be a hotel. You got to do it now. And they wouldn't do it. Some of the young adults here are going, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> right? Because there's this fear of, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing over New Year's or between Christmas and New Year's. There might be something better out there. My friends might have this really cool New Year's Eve party and I'm committed to this and, and that would have been better to go to. I might be in a new relationship and they may not want to go and so I would, be, I would lose my money, my deposit. But there's this fear of missing out, which is this anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by, aroused by posts seen on social media websites. So it's causing people to not commit. This is just what's happening. You know, as a pastor, I'm just starting to see this. And it's not just in young adults. There's so many things out there that want our attention, want our time, want our money, want our commitments. So many things. And, and we're like, well, are you going on Friday night to the worship night? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Depends what's happening. Depends how I feel. Hey, can you serve on the usher team 
What's that mean? That means you need to be here early every other week, you know, and serve. Sometimes I'm out late on Saturday nights. I don't want to come early. So I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I want to commit. It's happening in friendships too. You know, you can't, you can't just count on people like you used to be able to. But it's really hitting the church. It's really hitting the church. You know, everything good that we do here at the church takes commitment. I'll just tell you that. Being on the worship team, I mean, that takes commitment. And if those people, those worship team members didn't commit, we wouldn't know what we're doing for 20 minutes every Sunday. It wouldn't be very good. I can tell you that. It takes commitment. Everything worth doing takes commitment. So there's this, this lie that there's something better out there, so it keeps me from being fully committed. Can you imagine what that would have looked like when I proposed to Rose, you know, 15 years ago, got down on one knee on a beach in California and said, hey, babe, would you marry me in five months in May? As long as nothing better comes along, would that be all right? I just, so just be ready because I might want to get married in case nothing better comes along. But is that okay? Can we do that? That wouldn't have worked. I don't know if you guys know Rose, but she wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> but that's sometimes what we do with God. Hey, God, I, I mean, I want to read my Bible. Man, I, I want to read my Bible unless I'm up late the night before. Man, I want to be committed at the church, but you know, there are these football games on every Sunday, and sometimes they're on in the morning. And There's a book out called All In by Mark Batterson. <clears throat> Great book. If you're challenged on this topic, I'd encourage you to find that book. Easy read. But he gave a couple of examples of what it means to be all in. I mean, to be fully committed. And here's two of them that I wanted to, to pull out. The first one was Cortez. Herman Cortez, he's the Spanish explorer who conquered most of uh, South America and Central America. But he landed in Mexico in 1519, and he had 110 sailors and 553 soldiers. Now, he was against an indigenous population of over 5 million people. So his odds of winning were 7,541 to 1. That's where he was at. And so, you know, when, when all of these explorers land, you can think, they go, whoa, look at all of this, all these people fighting against us. You know, we need to retreat, is what he was thinking, and, or what they were thinking. And so what he decided to do, as soon as they landed, he pushed the boats out into the bay and he burned them and they sank. There's no plan B. Guys, we are here. We're either going to conquer and live, or we are going to run and die. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. He was all in, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately for them, everyone else was all in at that point too. There was no plan B. Another example in the Bible is Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah is a prophet of Israel in the Old Testament, and he is getting older. He's getting ready to go up into heaven. 
And so God tells him that Elisha is going to be his successor. Elisha is a farmer. Elisha has a couple of ox, and he has some plow equipment, and he's out in a field plowing away. That's what he's doing. Elijah comes along, puts his cloak on him, calls him out and says, you're going to be my successor, which means that he has to give up everything and go follow him. So this is what's interesting. Look what Elisha does in 1 Kings 19.21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I wonder if he did that because he knew his own nature. He knew that if, if, if it gets hard following Elijah and I still have my ox and I still have my plow equipment back home, I might just leave and, and go back and become a successful farmer again. But he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't leave that option. He actually kills these ox and he burns the plow equipment, roasts them, gives it all away. And essentially he says, I have no plan B. I am all in to follow you, Elijah, and to become a prophet of God. Guys, the world is tearing at our devotion to God. Right? I mean, there are so many things that are vying for our time and our attention, our money, our energy, our relationships. There's so many things out there. But God made it pretty clear. The most important commandment, most important, beyond serving me, doing anything else, is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, to be fully committed and to be all in, with no plan B, no going back. This concept of having, you know, like one foot in God's kingdom, but keeping, keeping kind of that foot back in the other side of the world, you know, like, okay, I'm going I'm to do this God thing, but I'm also going to keep a foot in the world just in case. I want to I be part of that too, Jesus calls that being lukewarm. Being lukewarm. It's not a very good thing. Revelations 3.16 says, so, you, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. All in. That's what God wants. He wants us fully committed to him. So you can write this down. Showing God love requires an all-in commitment. Showing God love requires an all-in commitment. I'm going to invite Krista to come up here. She's going to lead us in a closing song. But I want you guys just to sit there um, for the first part of the song. And I just want you to think about, is there an area in your life that you've been holding back? That you've kind of just said, well, God, I'll follow you in this area, but in this area, I'm going to kind of keep it to myself. You know, because... I don't want to give you, maybe it's, maybe it's your money. You know, maybe you're holding back on some of your finances because I don't, want, I don't want to give it all to God or give him a tithe. I want to keep some because I might need it. Or maybe it's your time. 
You know, you're not willing to commit to something here at the church or what, something else that God's asking you to do, somewhere God's asking you to serve, because you want to leave your, your options open. And for some of us, it might be a relationship. There may be a relationship, a friendship, or maybe it's a boyfriend or girlfriend where you know that this isn't who God has for you? Isn't the people that God wants you hanging out with? But you're afraid to give God all of that relational side of your life because you don't know what, you don't want to be alone. Well, just think about those things and then uh, we'll come up for a final prayer. have passed away your love has stayed the same thank you for enjoying the message we hope we helped you know God more intimately if you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church thank you once again for being part of our family and we'll see you next time